0: I'm Dick Moberg, and for more than 40 years, I've been developing technology to advance our understanding of the injured brain. I've had a chance to work with some of the leading minds in the field of neuromonitoring, including physicians, researchers, and entrepreneurs. I want to share their stories with you in the form of a weekly podcast so you can stay current on the latest developments in the field and the innovative people behind them. This is my Neural Network. Hi, I'm Dick Moberg, and my guest for this podcast is Dr. Ian Piper, so welcome. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks, Dick. Pleasure, yeah. pleasure to be here and to talk to you. Yeah.
0: And why don't you tell people, I know you're recently retired, and we just talked about how you probably never will retire, but uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, academic history. Sure.
1: Well, I I'm, uh, studied physiology at uh, Edinburgh University, uh, and then uh, I've ha- always had been a hobbyist in electronics, And I ended up going back to Toronto. I worked in a research lab in spinal cord injury research lab there for a few years. And while I was there, I decided to brush up on my electronics. And so I got a sort of a a qualification in instrumentation electronics. And it turned out to be really quite a good um, step because it gave me the combination of of the sort of engineering with a bit of the physiology and most of my working life i've ended up um working in the field of intracranial pressure measurement and and uh it's kind of a field which just captures captured me and made me you know it's kind of a, it's got technical challenges and and uh the physiology is interesting uh, and i've ended up uh, working in neurosurgery departments where icp monitoring i is uh is a uh core concept and uh uh, and I just, I saw at the time that there's lots of possibilities of different ways of capturing that data and different ways of uh, analyzing it that potentially could, one hopes, uh, alter clinical practice. But it didn't take me long, actually, before I realized that when I started to go to research meetings and I started to present the work that I was doing and discovered that I had difficulty comparing it against, um, other groups, because they were doing the same thing, but they were doing it a bit differently. They were collecting the data, maybe at a different uh, resolution or analyzing it in different ways. And it became quite frustrating. And you can see lots of people going to these meetings presenting the same types of results, but not being able to compare. So uh, that's how we ended up. <clears throat> as often these things do, in the pub afterwards, discussing uh, discussing the problems. And we came, kind of came up with this idea, well, why don't we kind of try to work together collaboratively?
0: Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's kind of the seeds of how Brain IT came about. Yeah, I mean, you're certainly a, a pioneer, and just to interject. I mean, you've been been a, sort of one of my mentors in this field. I mean, I think we've led sort of parallel lives here for a while, <laughs> and certainly interested in the same thing. But you know, it's remarkable how you've gotten a lot of groups together here in Europe to um, uh, to focus on this, and and that just hasn't happened in the U.S. So I'm really uh, really impressed by this. So yeah, continue you know, this. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was serendipity, just being in the right place at the right time
1: and meeting the right people. And as I say, at this this key meeting in Williamsburg in uh, in the sort of uh, 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 early 1990s we 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 just happened to have the gel of the right people who actually you know, believed in the same problem and and we were the uh, we were just at the, that generation where where we weren't so concerned about our department doing well it, it was it was all about um uh more open collaboration and sharing information sharing sharing data and and um, in the field of traumatic brain injury, we were actually the, again, it was just timely, we were the first group in brain injury research um, that had this idea of trying to uh, set up standards and, and uh, collaborate and share data. Uh, and uh, and it was just happened to be there was a call from the European uh, Union for grant opportunities in this type of networking activity, and so we were... We were fortunate to get our first bit of seed funding, and that got sort of cemented the group together. And that led on to the next grant and the next grant, where we could, you know, get resources to collect data uh, in a standardized way, and uh, and then you know share that data more openly. And it's and it's led from there to realize that um, you know when you collect data in a very standardized way and have some sort of measure of clinical outcome that that uh, you can uh, compare it against then you can do some really interesting analysis from it. And, and just, again, it's, it's having the right people in there um, who say, well, you know, I, I'm working with this group of data scientists in Leuven who've got some ideas about how to uh, analyze things, but they need data. And that's kind of how we ended up um, meeting with uh, Bart's group, for example. And uh, through him, we met Fabian Guiza, and he had some very innovative ideas about how yeah, to visualize data. And uh, and that is, if you like, has cemented uh, in our minds the importance of um, not working in a silo. And and it's very easy to forget that um, you don't know everything, you know, and you think <sighs> you've got all the answers. And and we've been analyzing this data for. For quite a few years now, and we realize that it's actually um, we're, our ideas are getting a bit stale. Uh, you know, we've kind of come to the uh, um, the natural limit of our own um, experience, and and uh, one way to try to get fresh ideas in is to share this data with uh, with outside groups, and, uh, and that's why last year we did our first datathon. Uh, and discovered in fact that there are clinical scientists out there and data scientists who are desperate to get their hands on this type of uh, uh, rich data set uh, in a field that they think is is you know uh, uh, relevant and and you know a, a patient population which which uh, they feel they can contribute to and it was a very worthwhile experience and we discovered in fact that the, there is a whole world of new analysis out there that we hadn't considered And from there, that's now uh, led to us being at this ICP meeting and having our second datathon with the brain IT data. And
0: and I participated in that one, and it was amazing. I mean, it was a real eye-opener for somebody who's not, I don't consider myself a data scientist, but seeing the process from formulating a problem to um, analyzing it and coming up with some conclusions was really amazing. And we did that all one day. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's never enough time. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, um, I'm quite pleased how good. And, and the second
1: datathon was quite interesting because it was a, a more of a mix of clinicians. Uh, and and we could see what the benefit was to them of actually uh, being exposed to the process of, uh, of how to analyze this data, and it's made us think that maybe maybe we need to develop this into more of a of a formalized type of course uh, that we can expose to clinicians who might may eventually want to get into the field of machine learning.
0: Uh, no, I, I would recommend that. I think it's very at the time has come for that now. I mean, with machine learning really getting into medicine uh, like it never had. I mean, it was sort of. Uh, Looked at a little weird, you know, 10 years ago, but now it's just solving so many problems that, and you need the data before you can do data analytics. So, awesome. so you're at the heart of that. So yeah. uh, I you think that's clean the, data as well. Yeah. And that and that for me is where I think
1: the future of this area lies is uh, uh, trying to find leverage technology, which is out there, yeah. um, but we just haven't got the right, um, bringing together the right people in the right. And right ideas, and you know maybe we need to work more with, with uh, small to medium-sized enterprises to be able to leverage some of these ideas uh, as to how to maybe automatically uh, collect this information and, and maybe have the right sensor technology so we can actually measure um, you know patient movement automatically or, And the real challenge, and we've been trying to crack this problem for decades, is how to
0: accurately annotate treatments. And how do we do that? Maybe there ought to be a technical solution out there. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's that's something we all struggle with is the annotation. It's getting sort of that human in the loop uh, to do that. Uh, that's good. And so, um, you know, we are here at the ICP 2019 meeting, and, and you uh, you had a really nice uh, brain IT meeting, and I, I uh, look forward to the next one in Bologna. Bologna.
1: which There's uh, uh, time, absolutely. Yeah, no, I've got, we've got some... Uh, through the EU uh, funding process, we've 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 uh, met and, and established some very nice collaborations with people all over Europe, uh, and it's not just in the traditional countries you'd you'd imagine. More and more Eastern European countries are being uh, uh, um, collaborating now, and uh, and it's actually refreshing to go out to those places and realize that you know in many ways they they you know they're they're quite advanced in their technology. As well, but they have uh, fresh ideas and different ways of doing things that the, some of the more Western countries don't don't normally uh, uh, they get stuck in their ways how to do
0: things. So it's interesting
1: to see different different ways of
0: approaching the same problem. And a reception has just started here, but we uh, it's part of the meeting. Um, so tell me about you know I, I heard a very interesting talk on uh, on the the, the 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 project with pediatric TBI. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. And, sure.
1: Now that, that's really uh, again um, being in the right place at the right time. I, I worked with a, a young intensivist uh, called Millie Low, and um, we did a little pilot work together on the Brain IT project. And she's, she's uh, an intensivist who specializes in pediatric uh, brain injury. And she, she, she saw what we've done in the adult traumatic brain injury with the Brain IT initiative and the, and the sharing, collecting and sharing of data. And she realized that, you know, the pediatric brain injury areas is, is lagging behind the adult service a little bit in this way of more open sharing of data and collaboration. So she took it upon herself to say, well, you know, we need to do the same thing in pediatrics. And she came to me and we talked about it and we discussed it with the brain IT steering group. And we said, well, sure, let's, let's, let's create a sort of sub project, uh, leverage the experience of the, of the, uh, of the brain IT, uh, group but create a, try and see if we can do this in, in children. And so it was really through Millie's enthusiasm and her, and her hard work that we <clears throat> managed to bring a little bit of seed funding. Um, and that led to uh, getting data from one or two centres and uh, showing that it was feasible to collect uh, the same type of data from children's brain injury uh, intensive care units. And that led on to um, uh, our first uh, EU grant, uh, to bring in uh, other centres. And now we've got, we have a, you know, a specific research question that, that we're trying to address. Um, uh, and we've um, now got recruiting from 10 centres in the United Kingdom and five centres across Europe who've now joined the Kids Brain IG Network. And it's, it's actually great to see the enthusiasm now of a completely different domain, uh, medical domain, uh, and how the same problems exist in different areas. You know, the idea that we're sending all this data, potentially could be using it, we're just wasting it. And, and is there any information there that could help change our clinical management of patients? And, uh, and so it's been refreshing to uh, start the process all over again. I feel like I've turned the clock back 20 years.
0: <laughs> That's great. And I, I think, uh, you know, pediatric patients are often overlooked. I applaud you in doing that. I mean, all the uh, center TBI and track TBI, almost all the TBI studies I know of are all adults. So I think this is, uh, uh, you know, I applaud you for this work. I think I think it's not wonderful. So um, I just want to point out to you, uh, Uh, to our listeners, that the Brain IT website uh, has a lot of information on it. Um, They've they've started to develop some data collection uh, standards. They have a a proposal for common data elements on this, and and, uh, I urge people to uh, take a look at that. Is there anything else you want to say on your website?
1: No, I mean, just have please have a look at it. It's got a little bit of a history section of it. You can tell about um, you see some pictures, some rather old photographs of us when we were young. <laughs> um, uh, but the people who initially brought it all together, and, and uh, but importantly, description of the different projects that we've been working on over the over the years, and our current project with Kids Brain IT, and and where we're going, uh, where we're
0: going with that. And so, so, what do you uh, see for the future of Brain IT? in your future?
1: Well, I'm uh, I'm really excited about the Kids Brain IT project, and I, I I'm uh, uh, acutely aware that I think there's a lot of growing interest in uh, this collaboration. So I think that that's going to go on for for uh, a few more years. Yet I hope, and we'll we'll get more funding to bring in more centers. But you know, I I'm really interested in trying to leverage new sensing technology out there to try to solve some of these problems that we've been thinking about for for decades and still haven't solved. And, you know, we can send men to the moon. We ought to be able to, we ought to be able to work out some way of accurately timing the treatments that go on in intensive care units. You would think so. I'm sure, I'm sure there's there's ideas out and there's new newer, you know, microelectronic, uh, uh, you know, s- sensors on a chip now that, that ought to be able to solve some of these things, flow meters and, uh, accelerometers and radar chips and things like that. So I, I, am I think that's one of my, uh, how I'll divide my time between supporting the kids brain IT infrastructure and, and see if I can interest in some small companies and, and brainstorming about how to, you know, how to take technology that might be in parallel or, or other domains and bring it into the medical domain and solve these problems.
0: That's great. It's a, it's a it's a noble venture, and I certainly hope you succeed with that. It's, it's well needed. I want to thank you for uh, this podcast. And uh, any final comments? Or are you No, uh, but I, I look forward to you buying me a drink in the pub uh, anytime soon. <laughs> you got that, <laughs> especially That's in Leuven here. <laughs> thanks for doing this. Thanks for being our guest. pleasure. So thanks for listening to this week's podcast, If you enjoy these interviews, please take a moment to rate and review this show on your podcast app of choice. Subscribe to Dick Moberg's Neural Network to receive notifications when future installments are available. And of course, the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of Moberg Research, Inc. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again soon.